This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. State Representative Tim Hernandez went viral six weeks ago for comments he made about the Hamas attack on Israel, drawing criticism locally and nationally. But now the 26-year-old lawmaker is out in the streets protesting again. We sat down last week ahead of the biggest Palestinian solidarity protest Denver has ever seen to talk about why. You should also know this is an explicit conversation. Today is Monday, December 4th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Tim Hernandez, welcome back to CityCast Denver. Orale. What's up, everybody? How you doing? I'm good. I haven't talked to you in a while. I've been I know. out. So. It's, it's been, I've been a little busy. So. And you've been a little bit busy. <laughs> you, too. Why, right, you too. But, but this is why we want to talk to you. Um, you've been on the show for two years now. We started talking to you when you were a teacher. Mm-hmm. Now you're a state representative. And we wanted to catch up with you because our listeners have heard you here often. And you've kind of been in the news a lot. Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm feeling okay. Um, you know, I think being in the news a lot is a is a good thing sometimes when we're advocating for issues um, that need attention, right? That that our communities um, deserve having attention towards. I think the personal experience I've been having with media and press, uh, especially since you know everything on October seventh, I think has been really heavy. Um, I'm happy to walk through some of those details. It's it's really pushed me a lot. Um, you know, I'll say the biggest reflection that I walked away with was I was a grassroots organizer before I was ever elected. I'm still a grassroots organizer, right? And part of being a grassroots organizer is yelling as loud as we can so that everybody can look at our issues so that we know that our issues are real so that folks can participate and share that with us. And so it hopefully makes the news, right, to, to raise consciousness about our issues. And now whatever I say is the issue is the issue, and so being being able to wield that 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 um that position I think is is something I'm learning a lot from and I think um something that I don't, I don't think I was particularly prepared for to be honest with you so like I um I'm sure we'll get into it and we'll talk about some protests that I've attended, yes. um, which has drastically changed, right? I've been going to protest my entire life. And then all of a sudden I get a name badge and when I go to a protest, it's on the news, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think right. it's a it's a different relationship. It's a heightened relationship. You're under a microscope. And I think that there's a there's a real clear way that I think my generation, I think black and brown folks, I think poor folks who are accessing these systems uh, and and interacting with them, I don't know if we've completely fleshed out how we navigate a relationship with both yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I'm okay trying to figure it out and failing on how I navigate both because I do think that in order for political change to take place, our people, oppressed people, deserve the full set of options on the table. Sorry, and, to, sorry, I know I no, got in the water there. But. You said something that <laughs> I you kind of you you said earlier that I it goes into my next question, which is like. Uh, 
you said, you know, before I've always been in, I've always been organizing, I've always been going to protest, but that changed once I became a state legislator, how I was viewed and that it was suddenly something on the news. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to talk about. So this video of you went viral. And can you give yeah. us sort of the too long didn't read version of what happened? Yeah. So um, the events of October 7th took place. The day following, um, there was uh, a protest called um, in solidarity with Palestinian folks. Um, I, uh, I've been deep with Palestinian folks in the past, and I had heard about the movement. And, um, and so I, I, I've been to Palestine protests before. I went in 2021 and, and have known folks for a long time. And so uh, when it happened, I, I went. And I went because I had a conversation with um, some community members who asked me to go and, and said, look, what is going to happen in Palestine is going to be disproportionately worse for Palestinians than any of the events that are taking place on October 7th. And um, I went because I think it's the right thing to do, to stand in solidarity with grieving people um, because there were Palestinians who were killed on October 7th too. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I went because I think um, standing in solidarity was important. And I think um, listening to impacted folks was really important at that time. And so I, I went to a, a, a protest for Palestine at the state capitol. Um, it was probably the only time I ever wore a suit <laughs> outside of the state capitol. <laughs> I did love um, that you wore Ben Davis to yeah. the state capitol. Hey, hey we, we got some dripper on That's a G. That's, <laughs> an old, that's an OG look. Um, I went, and uh, while we were, um, you know, listening to speakers who were describing their fears about uh, potential genocide in Palestine, um, speakers who were saying they were afraid for their family members, and speakers who were afraid that this would be the last time that Palestinians would ever exist on the earth, um, I, I there was a, a a man who approached the crowd and began yelling and and spitting and interrupting the speakers, and in a really kind of violent and, and negative way, and. Um, I, I looked to some of the grassroots organizers and, and folks were, were considering how they were going to approach him. And so I, I offered to, to intervene because I don't think it should be the responsibility of mourning people to have to gatekeep their own space for their own mourning. I think it's inappropriate to, to, to interrupt and berate women when they're mourning on the steps of the state capitol for their people thousands of miles away. And so I, I went and I had a conversation. Um, and, I, and I had a conversation with him. His name was Russell. Um, and, and I you know, he, I, I expressed to him that, that you know, I, I didn't agree with the way that he was navigating the space, that I thought it was disrespectful. Um, and I told it, and he said, well, who are you to, to tell me this? I said, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm a state legislator. My name is Tim Hernandez. Um, and he pulled his phone out and he started recording me and saying, mm -hmm. well, do you condemn this, this, and this that's happening? And do you condemn what Hamas has done? And do you condemn this and this? And, and, and I tried to remain on message, right, of I'm here because I, I, I believe in, in, in the freedom and liberation of Palestinian people and, and the dignity of life for Palestinian people. Um, I'll be real with you. At the, at the end of the video, I got, I got short and I, and, and I, got, I got rude um, because I felt like it was an unproductive conversation. I intervened in the conversation at all because I've been trained in de-escalation and direct action. And so, you know, part of the, part of the training is, is to end the conversation. And so uh, I, I sought to end the conversation. And unfortunately, that, that 12 second clip is the one that everybody saw, including a clip where I, where I said, um, you and the three people who watched this bullshit video, um, there's 10 million people who have seen the video now. Holy and so, cow. Well, I mean, that's just the reality, <laughs> though, of when virality happens. It's true. Is you yeah. don't know who's going to see Oh yeah, it, something. And, and I, I don't know. That's and it was real bad. About. We're talking like I'm like 
20 days into being a state legislator, right? right? Like, I, Also, and, you identified yourself as such, which I mean, I understand why you did, but also this is showing you're a different type of person within the protest now than you yeah. were, you know, before you were in That's this true. position. That's true. Yeah. And, and, and I identified myself as such because I think it was important to, to ground, right? That like, look, this isn't, you know, I, I'm not necessarily here, you know, to, to berate anybody or anything like that, but more so that, you know, I, I think that, um, Standing in solidarity with folks who are mourning should should not be a controversial opinion. Yeah, and I think um, I went and, and and stood in solidarity because I believed it was the right thing to do, and and I uh, and I and I interacted with him as and 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 told him I was a state legislator because um, ultimately I, I I thought that it would be a, a way to diffuse the conversation uh, and de-escalate it in a way that would have been positive. Um, ultimately, he was de-escalated and he walked away and nobody was harmed. Um, later, the video goes viral, and 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 that's kind of where we're at. And I think it's despicable what they're protesting for, and what you're protesting for, and the fact that you can't condemn women and children and elderly people being murdered in the streets. What about it? Do you condemn it? I already said. Why can't you say yes? Because I already gave you my answer. You didn't give an answer, and every I think anybody who would watch this would understand yeah. what your actual three position is. Three people that are gonna here. watch your bullshit video, Russell. Mm -hmm. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board, because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. This episode is brought to you by the Denver Botanic Gardens. It's time for the 75th annual spring plant sale at the Denver Botanic Gardens. Mark your calendars for Friday and Saturday, May 10th and 11th. Admission is free, but you must register in advance at botanicgardens.org. Registering my husband, Greg, right now for the plants I want him to pick out and plant in our yard for me. <laughs> Shop from 15 different plant divisions, including annuals, houseplants, herbs and veggies, and specialties like aquatics, container garden in a bag, and plants grown right at the gardens. The garden's horticulture staff will be on site to answer any and all plant questions you may have. This sale emphasizes water smart and native plants that are perfect for our semi-arid climate. They'll be great for a beautiful landscape that doesn't require a bunch of water. For more details, registration information, and a catalog of available plants, go to botanicgardens.org. That's botanicgardens.org. So, like you said, 10 million people may have seen this video. It was clearly controversial. What happened afterward? Yeah. So, um, that protest was on a Saturday. On Monday, I got a phone call from House leadership, and they told me I would have to release a statement. And... My gut reaction was no, uh, only because I think pouring in, you know, I've, I do social media a lot, right? And and sometimes I think pouring gasoline on a fire is not, a, this is this is October 9th, right? This right. is 
everybody, the, the Oakland Raiders and LeBron James and it, right, everybody's coming out with statements. And so I felt like it was not exactly the way that I thought was um, an appropriate way to advocate at the time. I thought um, listening to the direction of Palestinian people was how we should be going um, and listening to the direction of all impacted people was how we should be going. And so um, they told me I need to release a statement. And so I did. Uh, I wrote it up and uh, sent it to house leadership. It was approved. And then I sent it out. Um, the following day, uh, I got a phone call um, that said, hey, Tim, you know, we really care about you, but unfortunately, we're, we're going to release a statement in about half an hour that's against you because your statement didn't stop the phone calls. And this was who? This is the this is the House leadership. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I, I, and, and I share this not, not to out anybody or anything like that, but because I think it's important to unpack how all of this happened to me. I'm in a good place with it, you know, um, but I think it's important to be real, right? Because then following that... Um, House leadership releases a statement against me saying we're disappointed that when Tim Hernandez had the opportunity to condemn Hamas, he did not, and all these other pieces. And um, the video continues to go viral. And uh, a lot of folks, you know, start asking questions and there's press stories running all over the place, right? In case we forgot, there was an entire school board race that was happening right. <laughs> about three weeks out from when this was all happening. And there were stories about me on every single web page, but there was nothing about a school board race that would impact 100,000 kids in DPS. And so I, I think there's a, a role to, to question about what press um, plays in, in, in advocacy and politics. Um, but I do think, uh, you know, that the video going viral really pushed me into a different spot. You know, uh, um, a, a lot of impacted folks started calling me and saying, hey, look, like, obviously, I understand, you know, your politics and I understand. But I do think that there was some harm caused in the way that you treated this person. And um, we think you should apologize. And, and, and as I reflected, I, I did agree um, that I, I, as an abolitionist, I believe that we're not exempt from harm. I think that anybody can cause harm. We live in a world not of limited resources, but of stratified resources. And so that means that harm is kind of inevitable for folks that don't have resources. And, and so it's not about necessarily, you know, removing harm from ourselves, but about being willing to understand when we commit harm, apologize when we commit harm and be being willing to heal that. And so, um, you know, at the end of that week, I, I released a video apologizing directly and saying, look, I caused some harm in the way that I treated this person, the way that I navigated online. And I'm, I'm really sorry. You know, I, I, I definitely, um, you know, I apologize for the harm that I caused. Um, but I was very, I was very intentional in making sure that, um, you know, I, I, I did not apologize for, for criticizing Israel. Um, I did not you apologize. Did not. No, I, I did not apologize for, for being critical of, of the living conditions that are, that are taking place in Gaza. Um, and that was that was really important to me, right? Because I think that there can be two truths at once. That you know, I, I was not proud of how I navigated the situation either, especially as as somebody who understands power the way that I do, right? As a person in a position of political power, why would I ever treat somebody who does not hold political power like me in a way that harms them? That's that's against my politics. And so it was an important reflection point for me. I definitely you know sat with it for a real long time. It was very emotional, and it was really fucking scary. Yeah, and that's really, I mean, you, you say you're in a good place with it, which I, I I hope that you are, but I also have to say, I read some really awful things about you online, and I also oh, yeah. will just tell you, I have not been in nearly the same position as you, but I have been a target online, and you, mm -hmm. it, it's a really lonely place, because it feels like people don't know what you're experiencing. They're just piling on to yeah, yeah. a tweet, or you know what I mean? And so, uh, how did you navigate that? It was awful. You know, colleagues I had never even met or 
talked to or releasing statements about me, that the House Republicans that are now my colleagues in the state legislature signed on to a letter calling for my expulsion from the state legislature, right? Um, there, there are press outlets going crazy and it broke national news and, you know, all kinds of other folks became involved. Um, you know, really, really wealthy folks in Colorado started to become very deeply invested in what my primary would look like. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is all while I'm, I'm taking on hundreds of death threats a day, right? Online, in my DMs, uh, it, and, and, and all over the place, right? Sent to me at the Colorado State Capitol. And, and, and so it was really isolating. It was, re- it was really scary. Um, you know, I, 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 I was really kind of, kind of afraid to leave my house. I was, um, you know, uh, I definitely, I, I'm never ashamed of what I believe. Do not misreceive me, right? But it, it is um, a different position when uh, all of a sudden there's a very real threat for, right. for what you believe in, in, in this country. Personal safety is not guaranteed, but in, it should be in some capacity where we shouldn't feel afraid to be at home. Because yeah. we have made a statement politically that some that people don't agree with. Yeah, yeah, and you I, know, you know, I not I, to oversimplify it, but I, and I'm empathetic. Don't get me wrong, right? This doesn't remove my empathy. I, I, I would have empathy for the folks who who wish me harm because I know that it, it's from a place of of, of hurt. Um, but I also think, you know, um, there comes there comes a place that I think um, is 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 really yet un- unnavigated. In the way that our culture treats um, people who who make mistakes, um, I think that this is not necessarily like a, a comment on cancel culture, right? I think fundamentally, folks who are involved in any type of abolition work understand that cancel culture is is pretty similar to carcerality in the in the way that it operates. It exists to kind of wrap somebody up and throw it away, and and it's not to not to say that you know folks um, folks should uh, be held accountable for what they do, um, and they should face. Uh, repercussion if if they caused harm and they should not be exempt from an experience uh, uh, over something that they made decisions towards. You know, I, I do think that we, accountability is still a really important part of the process. Um, but I uh, I thought it was very interesting um, because I, I the the entire time I kept kind of asking myself the same question of who gives a damn what a Mexican thinks about Israel and Palestine that much, right? Like to be completely honest with you, right? Like some of my white colleagues were really really concerned that I had this opinion when they have when we have Palestinian folks who work with us in the legislature and 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 do they not understand that by condemning me and putting me in a place of harm inherently causes harm to folks who are much more in close proximity to impact in this direct issue, right? There's a there's a real way that I think cultural violence operates. And I think for for folks who are relatively privileged, who have never been on the side of this country that has ever experienced a call for justice that is not popular, um, I think that it's it's a really important, you know, self-preservation politics that they play. Um, and I think more importantly, that that was a good reflection for, for me to have, right? Of, you know, um, I was facing booze and, and Palestinian women and children and men were facing bombs. So g- going back to this this position that you're in, in the mm-hmm. state house, um, you've come under a lot of criticism, like you said, from colleagues you've maybe never interacted with prior to this, but mm-hmm. they've called you to resign. You mentioned that some wealthy folks are putting some money up to ch- to challenge you in the primaries? That's what some folks have told me, yeah. <laughs> Anything else you could say about that? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I just had to ask. And I'll I'll be real with you and I'll say it at at the risk of it having, you know, any type of of repercussion, right? I I got a phone call from the speaker 
you know, about a week after everything took place and we were having a conversation and I told her I was going to be issuing an apology. And these were the steps I was going to be willing to take to work with my colleagues so that we could have, you know, I could, I could still be an effective legislator and, and all these other pieces. And, and I'll be real with you, the, the, the speaker of the house, um, she asked me when I asked her, you know, what do you think I should do? Her first response was that you should consider resigning. And, and when my next question immediately was out of the 65 members of our chamber, how many others have you asked to consider to resign? And she said, none. This is 30 days into me being a state legislator. I haven't even legislated a single day in my life. I haven't pulled a bill, haven't done anything, not even a special session. But I, I also, you know, um, I spoke deeply with a lot of, you know, Jewish folks in my district. I sat with a lot of Jewish leaders that I really deeply respect um, and, and was very honest about my experience, about why I believe what I believe. And, and I also sat and listened to their experience and, and what they were living through that week um, and, and have been living with. And, and, and I think that, you know, it's, it's been something that I, um, really have reflected on. And I think that it's, it's much bigger than me in my opinion. Um, but I also think that my job is, 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 is to represent, um, the, the people that, are, uh, live in my neighborhood and the folks in my community came and talked to me and, and, and sat down with me and we arrived at a good place to be able to talk about the issue, um, to, to, to navigate it in an empathetic way for all the folks that I represent, um, and, and ways that I felt like, um, still uphold the, the principles that I have as a person. I have to ask, did you ever consider resigning after your own party or your own side of the aisle asked you to? No. Um, I was put in the House District 4 seat in the state legislature, not by the Speaker of the House. I was not put there by my colleagues. I was put there by my neighborhood. And um, I, I represent my community over the, the, the interests of the Capitol. And I think that it was never a thought or a second beat for me. Um, it was something that I think really caught me off guard, right? I, I thought eventually I'd be made into a boogeyman over like assault weapons or like something, you know, like some other like far right group would get a hold of, of my beliefs and, and boogeyman me. And that's, that's okay with me, right? I, um, but I mean, I, it kind of already happened to you as a teacher in the public eye before. Yeah. Like, yeah. When uh, we're confronting systems sure. of oppression, it's never going to be popular guys. Right. right. <laughs> like, right. I hope we understand that. That's not like oppression is, is a pretty popular thing in this country. And so I think we got to be real honest about folks who challenge that and, and the way that we treat it. You know, if, if it comes to confronting the way that I think folks are marginalized, I'd rather not be popular. And, and that might play out very differently in June. Right. I, I might be less popular than another person in June, but I, I don't think that as a politician, or and I don't even like that word, as a policymaker, as a as a lawmaker, homie, right, is <laughs> the way that I talk about it. I don't think self preservation should be the first conversation that we're having. I, I think the way we should be making decisions is around how can I best navigate the folks that I represent. How can I best listen to the folks that that I represent, and most ultimately, right, mandar obedeciendo. How can I lead at the will of my community? How can I how can I listen and make decisions that my community feels affirmed by? Um, and so, resigning was never really in the books because um, you know there was there, there was tough conversations I had with folks in my community um, who did bring up resigning. Uh, I, I also think that it was it was really important to name that the the direct ask came from somebody who has no political. Uh, power to to remove me. Um, the the voters chose to put me in in, in the seat of House District Four, and so I, I'm going to keep on listening to them if that's all right. Representative Tim Hernandez, thank you so much. Thanks. 
a note on the timeline from here. Tim Hernandez was elected to fill the vacant seat representing Colorado House District 4 by the Vacancy Committee of the Colorado Democratic Party in August 2023. His term expires in 2024 when he will be up for re-election. After I spoke with Representative Hernandez, we reached out to House Speaker Julie McCluskey for her response to his comments on being asked to resign. Her office sent us this statement. As I said publicly, I had several conversations with Representative Hernandez in which I urged him to condemn the Hamas terrorist attacks on Israel. Following these conversations, I released a statement expressing my disappointment in the representative's initial reluctance to condemn the attack and for his promotion of offensive social media posts that appeared to support it. I appreciated his apology, and I know he is working hard to learn from his actions. Finally, I want to be clear that I never discussed electoral implications with Representative Hernandez, and I don't know from where he heard that. I am not going to comment further on the specific details of private conversations that I have with members. We will post Representative McCluskey's full response in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell your favorite state representative about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya. This is like, I know I didn't want to be that kind of person where I was like, this, all this stuff happening that's really heavy is hard for me because (laughs) this is my favorite time of year.